Welcome, I'm Naima Tenenbaum, and this is the Institution to Inspiration Education Show. We are going to hear from faster educators, legendary principals, financial experts, successful school counselors, curriculum developers, and so much more. Consider this podcast your professional learning community. Welcome back. This week, I had an absolutely incredible discussion with Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. Rabbi Reichman is a world-renowned Torah scholar, popular speaker, and prolific author. His engaging style and deep understanding of the human experience have inspired countless people all around the world. In this episode, we're going to be delving into his background, his approach to creating a massive impact, and the lessons he's learned throughout his journey. So join us as we learn from one of the most dynamic and thought-provoking leaders of our time, Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. And it's like a candle. Like, if you're doing that, you're going to inspire the person next to you. And it's like the great thing about a candle is it can share its flame and doesn't lose anything. You just, inspiration is amazing. Great inspiration. Not inspiration where you just get up and say, rah, 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 you can do anything, but you're actually doing it. Like the inspired life is a life of 1% talking about it and 99% doing it, right? right. It's like you need the talking at the beginning to frame it, to build the mindset, to understand what you're trying to create, what you're trying to do. But then you need to fully commit to doing it even when you don't think it's working. Even when you think it's just, a, you know, wh- wh- why am I even doing this? Is it, 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 has anything I've done so far actually panned out? Has anything worked out? Uh, is the world just clapping and saying, wow, you're amazing. Congratulations for trying to accomplish your dreams. <laughs> actually, no, no one right. cares. No one cares until you've done it. And right. even when you've done it, like, it's very hard to quantify when you're making progress. So you have to believe in this so much that you can't imagine doing anything else. And you'll start to draw the right people into your life. The people who they're, they've been waiting their whole life for someone like you. They've been waiting their whole life for someone who actually wants to solve the problem that they didn't give themselves permission to solve, but now they're ready to help. Could be financially, could be emotionally, could be connecting you with someone, could be, and then you'll find that one educator who's you know actually on the ground going to start implementing what you're doing. And then you're going to find that one principal who's kind of been hiding what they really feel from the board yeah, and from yeah. everyone else. Like they, they don't, mm-hmm. don't want to actually say what they think because they're afraid of getting fired. But once there's enough momentum. Yeah. There can be something, and by the way, that's the biggest thing. I hear all this behind closed doors. They're like, don't yeah. quote me on this, but I'm like, do you know how many times I've heard that? A lot. Yeah, it's because to put your name on something that's not established, you lose your own credibility, you destroy your own career. You There's so much to risk. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. you don't have anything to risk, you can go all in. When you have a lot to risk, you can only go all in if you fully believe in it. Yes. And most people, they kind of believe in it. So they're willing to help you, but they can't be the ones who helped you. Right. They can kind of like dabble and kind of like kind of connect you to this person and kind of point you in the right direction, but they're not willing to put their name on it. But once you, and this is like the most important thing. We like to kind of talk about like institutions and, and like like those most institutions are just a bunch of people, but a mission 
is the concept of an ideal institution as an, a mission is something bigger than the individuals. So what ends up happening is that any person who starts something big, like it just started out with one person doing something big. But once there's momentum, the idea is bigger than any individual and people can rally around the idea. So no one will rally around you because no one, sure. no one cares about anyone else's individual mission. They care about the truth. They care right, about it's not about me. Good. So right. once people can kind of connect to an idea and you can be, so to speak, the intermediary that connects them to that idea, that is something that people can rally behind. So if you look, we're not like I never name names, but if we look in the Jewish world and what has worked over the years mm -hmm. and things that have started to really pick up momentum and really make an impact, mm -hmm. it's just something that people can really rally behind and there's no face. There's like the idea, there's Hashem, the idea and all the people who are doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. Like essentially that's Torah. Like Torah is, you know, the intermediary between Hashem and us. It's how we tap into Hashem's wills, how we tap into Hashem's chachma. And no one's serving the Torah. We're serving Hashem. Right. We connect to Hashem through the Torah. And, you know, throughout Jewish history, there has been a lot of clashing in terms of like, no, you are serving the Torah. You have to serve Hashem. And that's, you know, a different, mm -hmm. that was, you know, part of the, the Hasidic revolution was helping people tap back into not serving the Shulchan Aruch, but serving Hashem, but that's a whole different story. But the, the idea here is that you want the focus of the, the entire brand, the message, to remind people of what they already believe in. It doesn't take a lot to remind people that learning is important, that actualizing your potential is important. But most people, they're kind of like jaded Mm -hmm. kind of a lost touch that when they hear that they're like oh you're one of those like inspirational folks. yeah exactly exactly yeah i was just seeing you know, someone they're like you know it's all great what you're doing but like <laughs> spins on this way whatever and i'm like super cool like you're more than welcome to live in that space but that's not the way it has to be this is not our the jewish community didn't look like this 25 years ago for good I, I'm, I'm thinking for good for bad but i'm specifically thinking of for good didn't look like this wasn't this vibrant this big 50 years ago not at all and in 25 years you think it's going to be the same 50 years no way 100 100 i mean that's also why credentials are important in this type of field like for me if you would actually look at what i'm doing now so, you know, the keynote, speaking in schools, calling residences, building up the business. I have my self-mastery course, best-selling mm -hmm. book. Like, it looks really nice that the, the, the ideas, the Torah, the mission, like I coach CEOs, not entrepreneurs, not achievers. I'm doing all these things. Like, it, it looks really nice that, oh, like he's a rabbi who went to Harvard and is getting a PhD from University of Chicago, one of the most elite universities in the world. He got a coaching certification, he got a master's education, master's thought. Like I would be doing the same exact things without any degrees. I was a really young, I was 19, 20 years old doing really what I'm doing now. But yeah. everyone's like, who do you think you are? Yeah. And my vision was so big that I literally said, I'm going to do whatever it takes so that no one will be able to say you don't have this so i'm not going to listen to your share you haven't done this so you're not good enough for me i was going to play the shallow game in order to basically share the vision and message that i wanted to share on my terms so mm -hmm. 
it, it's a very powerful because there are people who reject and by the way like you can look at people who they're college dropouts and, and there it's the proudest moment of their life you look at you know the steve jobs Mark Zuckerberg's, the people who have so to speak made it without the system that's because college is not designed to help you become an entrepreneur but th there is value to the systems in place Definitely. But the real value is education. By the way, nowadays you can self-educate. All like literally everything, all information is accessible. That's the true. Question is how driven are you? How passionate are you? Are you getting quality ideas? A real systematic understanding of the information? Or you, if just, you know how to find it? Or do you have a cluttered mind where you just like overdrive? Mm -hmm. The same thing for all aspects of learning. Most people they don't have a real organized mind. It's like when you eat, you go to the bathroom to filter out the bath. When people taking information, they just absorb it and repeat it. So their, their knowledge is really opinion-based because if they heard someone say something, it now becomes their truth as opposed to breaking it down, digesting it, thinking it through, comparing it. It's like when you learn Gemara, you learn the Rambam, the Ramban, and Tosos, and Rambin, and Tam, and the Rashba, and Ritva. It's like, how am I supposed to do it? Like, what am I doing with all this information? Right. Well, you think about ideas and questions, and then you start to organize and, and understand how things work. The same thing with every aspect of wisdom. You start mm -hmm. to really become a thinker. So that's like a whole, whole different discussion. People, people don't like negativity, even though it's easy to rally behind. Mm -hmm. Negativity doesn't build anything. It tears things down. That's right. We don't want to tear down the education system. We want to build it up into what it could be. And sometimes you need a Yuridilisarchalia. Sometimes you need to break something down in order to build it, but you're never supposed to break it until everyone knows what we're actually trying to build. And that's like a powerful thing because you, you have, if you study history, there are people who tried to make real change by attacking what they didn't like. Right. And it didn't last. It was effective short term because everyone's like, yeah, this is horrible. It's horrible. But it just ends up being a destructive state. There's a vacuum. Exactly. Like with, with yeah. all these revolutions and things, you see that so clearly. Yeah. It's just like, okay, we got rid of the bad. Now who's going to be in charge? There are some really deep Jewish thinkers that say you should never tear away someone's lower level understanding of life in Hashem and Amuna until you've replaced it with something higher. Because if you tear down what they already have, but you don't have something immediately to give them, you end up getting them into the worst imaginable place possible. Right, because they have nothing. Yes, you, you, you destroyed something that wasn't total truth, but now they went from partial truth to nothing. And mm -hmm. nothing, they're lost. So it's the same thing for any system. Like there's so much good already there. And that's the most important thing. The amount of Torah that's being learned nowadays, the amount, the, the, the democratization of knowledge, of ideas, of education, of resources, of wealth, everyone is wealthier than they were. 500 years ago, 100 yeah. years ago, 50 years ago. Everyone is more knowledgeable. Everyone's more educated. Now it's a question of quality, of saying, where can we go? And there's a lot of sub-stories here. Like part of it is that after the Holocaust, the real goal for Kleistrol was essentially survival and numbers. So it was quantity. It was have as many children, get them educated, just push them through. We're going to rebuild Kleistrol. Essentially, we're still doing that, right? There's a lot in terms of like surface level quantity. Reaction. We're not striving for the highest quality for ourselves. 
not trying to build the most extraordinary family imaginable, not trying to build the most extraordinary school imaginable. We're just trying to have systems in place that work. And it takes, I mean, listen, like what you're trying to do, think of it from a school's perspective. It's really hard to take a chance and maybe fail. Mm -hmm. Like why would they take a chance on revamping the system, figuring out how to solve all the problems, doing something revolutionary when they could be what everyone looks at and says, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. Who's going to make that decision? That's is the true. principal going to make that decision? Is the board going to sign off on that? Are the educators going to want to be part of such a trial? Like, yes, it's exciting, but I want to pay my bills. I want a career. I want to take care. So, Put one change in place, and it's a quiet change. And when I say quiet change, I mean like a really quiet change. Um, just like a, a formula for when a student is sent to the office, exactly what's done in a way that we can know what happened, what was the trigger, how did the student react? You know, what was the consequence of that? Okay, and then the student has to say what they're going to do differently. But there's like a certain formula, a way to do it. It's the same thing with any other profession. You have formulas. You have ways that you do things. With sales, there are ways to talk to people. There are ways to, there are ways in every single, so it's the same thing. And if we just use these systems and don't quantify it as in like, oh, this is my ex- you know, a $20,000 job, this is my $50,000 job. But you think of it as amazing as it is, which is every single kid is a universe and a future, then it's very different. 100%, 100%. And like, it reminds me of like my journey. Like when I, like I didn't take high school seriously. I, I wasn't learning in high school. I wasn't developing myself in high school. When I finished high school, I went to Shalavim and that's when my life fell apart. That's when I started building. And I couldn't believe that the high school system was the way it was. I couldn't believe that we weren't learning how to become self-aware, actualize right. our talents, figure out who we are, try to build ourselves, try to fall in love with learning, try to become the best. Like why literally, like it's almost like they waited until we finished high school, dropped us off and said like, you take care of them, like inspire them, help them fall in love with their gem, help them learn Torah. And couldn't believe it. I started to talk to high school Rebeam, Manalim, principals, Rebeam in the you know in the Israeli yeshiva system and they said like yeah like that's literally fundamentally like proactively like their mindset survive western culture like just make sure they're like keeping Shabbos you know doing you know, basic Shemar Torah mitzvahs like if you're a flip out and you're learning a little Gemara after school like that's amazing and if you kind of like Hashem that's wonderful it's a bonus <laughs> And then, like, after high school, you'll kind of, like, then fall in love with Torah. And I was like, that makes no sense. That That's the lowest standards I could possibly imagine. And, yeah, like, that's more like the modern orthodox system. I don't like these boxes, but, like, that's what you call it. Right. And I was like, we need to change this entire system. High school needs to be where you start life, not pause life, until you get to where you're, like, 17, 18. This system makes no sense. And everyone said you're crazy like you can't change it mm -hmm. and the realization is that you're not going to change it until you change like here's the thing let's say you create the ideal school they're still going back to their homes and if their parents are not creating a type of home which is completely devoted to hashem and growth and torah mitzvahs and life and wisdom and inspiration like the school's not going to be effective and if the family is amazing and the school's working against them it's not going to be effective you need to have everyone working together which means that the real way to make change is you start with the individuals you get everyone who's actually a person in the world to 
care about this. You build homes where people care about this. Then you build communities where you're saying to a school where the community cares about it. So obviously the school, which is a reflection of the community, is going to care about it. And then you build a school that's designed to reflect the values and ideals that as individuals we have, and we're sending our kids to these schools, and the teachers are part of the community, we all share these values of trying to actualize our individual potential and devoting it towards the larger Zippur and Kikula and trying to literally actualize our collective and individual purpose as clients around this world, then of course the school is going to reflect these values and be a place of warmth and love and wisdom and passion and purpose and, and really you know, critical thinking and intellectual thinking, creative thinking, and it's going to be incredible. But you're not going to start by changing the system. You're not going to start by changing the community. You literally need to inspire one person. And that, like, that's why I wrote my Safer. I wrote my Safer to give the whole world access to the depth and wisdom of what Torah could be, a, a gateway into life, into wisdom, into purpose, into literally becoming everything that you could become. When you come in contact with a deep idea, like the moment you hear this idea that like my favorite Gemara, Gemara needed the Thaman of Beis that says, when we were in the womb, we learned Karl Torah Kula, and we learned basically the whole purpose of the world and everything. And then right before we're born, the Malach, this angel that taught us, it hit us in the mouth and we forget it. So Vilna Gun and everyone else asks, well, what's the purpose? Like, why teach in the first place? And why make you forget what's going on? Right. He says, you weren't just being taught, Torah, you're being taught the purpose of the world. You weren't just being taught the purpose of the world. You were being taught your unique purpose. Mm-hmm. And you didn't lose it. You lost access to it. And you're brought into this world to become you, to recreate everything you were shown in the womb, to literally actualize your potential. And if someone hears that for the first time, they're like, I'm in this world to not become great, but become me and to actualize my unique potential, to figure out who I am, to go on this journey of self-awareness and growth and meaning and purpose. Like if you've never heard that before and you hear that for the first time, it changes your life. And if people think that that's not pop psychology, but that's Torah, that Torah is literally Hashem's guideline to living a life of truth, meaning, purpose, passion, like it's literally everything. It is. Yeah. It changes. So what happens when one person changes their life? Well, first of all, they start sharing with their friends. They start sharing these ideas at the Shabbos table. They mm-hmm. start sharing the community. And then if an educator learns these ideas, starts sharing it with their students, and then the students learn the ideas, they talk about each other. And that's how you create a ripple effect. And like that's what's been happening with the Safer. So working from the inside and not trying to change everything at once, but recognizing the ripple effect of every meaningful conversation and it's like really hard right. to like, it sounds so nice and it's so inspiring. It's so fluffy when you're like, okay, I, I really, I'm getting tired. Like I've been doing this for three years. Where's the change? But you, when you look back and you say, where did things change? There's no clear threshold where like that was where things changed. There's like a buildup where you don't see the impact for years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. most people quit not because they haven't made the impact, but because, number one, they don't believe they've made the impact and they're not good enough at recognizing it. If you remind yourself why you started, and you remind yourself why you gave up everything you gave up, and you remind yeah. yourself how much you care about this, and it's true for what you're trying to do, it's true for what I'm trying to do, it's true for every single person. They, they have these, these goals, the things they really want to do with their life. And maybe like they don't share with anybody, or maybe they do and people laugh at them. And it's one of my, one of my favorite phrases is that don't be surprised when people don't understand your dreams. Like Hashem right. gave them to you. Not, not them. them. 
I mean, right. the reason they're laughing at you usually is because they're crying inside saying like I didn't follow my dreams but like you know you're not supposed to you're supposed to just stay like very simple nine to five pay the bills sleep eat and die like that's, yeah, exactly that's basically like one model of living the other model yeah. is to see what you're capable of mm-hmm. and it's it's literally the only way to actually be alive like happiness is not something you achieve happiness is a state of being while you are actualizing your potential while you're while you are becoming the person you're supposed to become now that's a lifelong journey and most people they're sleeping through life because they haven't given themselves permission to go on that journey. Like that's why yeah. I, I call the name of the safer is the journey to your ultimate self. The name of my, of my masterclass is self-mastery. It's like when you go on this journey of really seeing what you're capable of and not individually selfishly, but for the sake of something bigger than yourself, seeing how you can contribute to the community, to clientele, to the world, mm-hmm. you start to live life. You start to literally just wake up to what life, and it's a hundred out of a hundred, You'll always wish you would have started sooner. You'll right. always wish you would have started sooner. Yeah. So start now, right? Like anyone who's listening to this is like, oh my gosh, this is my story. Start now. Yes. Like, now is the best time. Like I'll start tomorrow. It's never tomorrow. It's always today. You're go- like, I'll start when I'll start when when the kids move out of the house. When this happens. When I'm healthier. When I start exercising. There's always going to be a great. I'll start then. Like you have to choose. Like you'll never have the perfect opportunity. You have to choose to make this the right time. That's really the only way that you'll look back in a month, in a year, in 10 years and say like, I made the right decision. There's a beautiful, beautiful way of framing. There's different ways of framing the concept of passion and purpose. Mm-hmm. One is something you love and you're good at and you just you just get into this flow state where you lose track of space and time. You're just like when I taught myself to play guitar and piano, I, I wanted to be a musician. Like I have had, like there were like I wanted to be. There were stages where I wanted to be a doctor, stages where I wanted to be a musician, stages where I wanted to be a speaker, a writer, mm-hmm. like all these different things. But music is like you get into a state where nothing else exists. It's the same thing where you're really delving into mm-hmm. total death. Like nothing else exists. Yeah. There's another way of framing the passion and purpose model, which is that something that really it just it, it drives you crazy. You're so upset about a problem and you just want to fix it, you just can't believe this problem exists, it's a very good sign. That's the reason why you're so upset about that. And no one else is. (laughs) Like, no one else seems to care. It's maybe because Hashem really wants you to take care of that. It's true. And I I have, like, a certain, whatever, I went through a lot of trash in the education system. And I can't imagine that I went through all that mishigas for no reason. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a similar model of like your challenges build you, they don't break you, that the worst things ever happen to you, usually the best things ever happen to you. But it's not always the personal tragedy, personal struggle that, you know, something destroyed your life. Like for me, the fact that my life fell apart, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. Woke me up in a way that nothing ever has. And, you know, I don't want any more of those horrible experiences, but like, I hope nothing ever will. I hope I don't have, I hope I'm, you know, as it's like Hashem sends you a challenge when you're not fulfilling your potential to help you fulfill your potential. Yeah, that's for sure. One model is the places where you broke or or so you can build something better. Mm -hmm. Another model is that it's not only the internal problems that Hashem, so to speak, helped manifest so you can take advantage of it. The Ramban says every challenge there is not for Hashem to see if you can overcome the struggle, but for Hashem to show you 
what you're capable of for you to see how you're how, how much you can accomplish. But a lot of it also is that like things connect with you or someone like why do you like a certain song and someone else doesn't like that song why do you like a certain food like you're a unique entity and the world and torah and ideas and life it interacts with you in a way that doesn't interact with other people and when something lights you up or something really gets on your nerves on a fundamental sense that like you can't believe that there's a system that's not doing this so that is doing this that's usually a good sign like maybe that's part of your purpose. Maybe that's something you should devote your life to doing as opposed to living your whole life having the same conversations of, I can't believe this. <laughs> exactly. For sure, yeah. And there, there was this a part of me um, for a while, really long while, that was so depressed that I was so good at teaching. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing to be good at. Like, I can't make money from this. I can't, whatever. But seeing how I could really turn it into something that is inspirational and sustainable is humongous. 100%. And like just for business advice, because this is a big part of the conversation. Yeah. I started out with that an entrepreneurial bone in my body. And all I wanted to do was write 100,000 svarim, give a million shirim. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually want to write. All I wanted to do was speak. Then I realized there are a lot of people who don't listen or watch him. They'll only read. So then I had to become a writer. Nice. But I didn't have an entrepreneur in my body. My parents are incredible. They're not entrepreneurs. They're professionals. Like I don't have the, like, any guidance for how to build a business, how to become a solo entrepreneur and self-fund my mission. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally didn't know how to do this. There is a way to figure out the monetary element, and this will help educators. If educators can basically find a way of mastering the financial game, which is becoming so valuable that you can build something on the side, monetize Mm -hmm. your wisdom, your advice, your ideas, whether it's another career path that you do on the side. If you understand how to have multiple revenue streams, have passive income, if you understand how to build a life where you're doing what you love with that passion and purpose, but not being drained by it because you're not making any money. So you can't pay the bills. So you're stressing about every simcha, but every bar mitzvah, every wedding. But if you can, if we can solve the financial element of the educational problem, we'll solve a lot because first of all, a lot more people will go into education who would be the best educators, but yes, going because they can't make a living. And it really comes with a mindset that making money, first of all, is not bad, right? There, there's that whole question that- Right, it's not bad, it's not wrong. If the goal of your life is money, it's 100% bad because money is nothing, mm-hmm. it's just potential. But if the whole purpose of like, by the way, like let's say you could make an impact and change the world, but you can't because you have to be an educator and pay the bills. Like isn't education just the same way of focusing on money instead of the truth? It's like- right. every, in tears like you have to understand that you have to understand like how to frame the problem the problem is that you get paid for the value you give the world mm-hmm. so if you're now if people don't value education so you're not being paid a lot for educating you have to find ways of providing value so that you can get paid so that you can do what you want to do now some ways of doing that are tutoring on the side, of building something like on the side. But there are ways of really understanding how to develop. Like the, the simple formula for life is if you actualize your potential and become the greatest you can be, you will have so much value to offer people. 
And the goal of the value is not for money. The goal of the value is to help people, help people connect to Hashem, help people fulfill their purpose. But you'll also need to find a way to monetize your abilities, your skill sets, your passions, your hobbies, because that's how you will sustain whatever mission and passion you have. A lot of people, they go completely on the passion route. So they'll go into education, they'll go into music, they'll go into mm-hmm. arts, they'll do, they'll do the beautiful aspects of life, and they'll make no money. And then you have people who basically say, I don't want to make money. So I'll go into business. I'll do, uh, you know, I'll go into Wall Street. I'll do accounting. I'll do financing. I'll do real estate. I'll do, and they'll basically convince themselves, I'll learn Dafyomi. I'll learn on the side. I'll give Shirim. And then, like, the ones who do that are the all stars. Because mm-hmm. most people will basically just fall into the, 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 the quicksand. You know, Yavin yes. actually means quicksand. You know, the good Vav and Nin Sophie, we just came from Hanukkah, is like the quicksand where you get the Interesting. In. So most people get drawn into the monetary finances, like that, that, that world. Yes. And they won't have the mind for thinking and meaning and purpose and Torah and life and wisdom. And the, the greatest skill set in life is building that harmony where the whole ikr, the primary, the focus is the Torah, is the growth, is the family, is the learning, is ideas, is purpose, and all those things. And the financial element is just supporting it, enabling it. Most people will choose one. They'll only learn, they'll only teach, they'll only, or they'll only do business. Mm-hmm. Then you have the very rare people who can blend the two. And when you can blend the two, first of all, it's so inspiring. It's hard. It's ideal. It's crazy. It's like, it's really hard. Like business finances is very practical. It's very detail-oriented. It's very gritty. It's very just like, did I succeed? Learning is the Shema. You learn, you just, there's no, like, I'm learning so that it's like, no, no, I'm, I'm learning because it's the truth. And that it's like a very different mindset, it's a different type of ambition. It's a different, right. like, ambitious learners, but the ambition is to learn, not like, you know, you can turn Torah into a business and say, I just want to finish Shas. And that's not really the quality. It's just kind of like, right, just kind of going like, But when you can blend the two together and find a way to support your purpose, and, you know, when you get married, you do it as a couple, you do it as, as a team, you find out like how you're going to share the responsibilities, how you're going to, you know, it's like, it, it's kind of funny. It's like when I go out and give a keynote and I come back and I change diapers, it's like, yeah, like, you know, I'm right. and you have to understand, like, a lot of it is like, I'm a Talmud Chacham, so I can't go and make money. It's below me. It's beneath me. Right. That's going to destroy your Menuchas Nafesh, your ability to focus on the actual Shaklavitari, the question, the Sugya, the Shir. You can't think because you're thinking, how am I going to pay for dinner? How am I going to pay for the Bar Mitzvah? Sure. It's like, it's a waste of time. It's Bittal Torah to make money. But then I spend a hundred hours a week trying to figure out how I'm going to fund this and fund yes. this. It's yes. like, where's the logic? The logic is that can't I'm escape. working within like the next 10 years of my life, which is a Bittal Torah, but the next 60 years of my life, I'm going to be doing all the Bittal Torah because I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. So sure. it's not thinking about how to build a life. It's thinking about like very short vision. Right. So these are these are big. And we're overgeneralizing because these are not posture things. These are very, very hard things to really concretely solve and, and talk about in depth. And there are lots of people who really should be learning all day, every day, and shouldn't touch the financial element of life ever mm-hmm. but for someone who's really trying to navigate this learning how to recognize that the most important formula for success in all aspects of life spiritually intellectually emotionally physically relationships financially leadership impact teaching 
is if you become the very best version of yourself and fully commit your life to self-actualizing, to learning and growing and taking life seriously in the most enjoyable way, but seriously and really maximizing your time and devoting your life to growth and devoting your life to seeing, answering the simple question of what am I capable of? The answer is no one knows. Hashem knows, but no one knows. No one knows. But that's the question you should ask yourself every single day. And not to be overwhelmed and daunted by it, but to be inspired by it and say, I don't know, but let's find out. Yeah. It's like the, the Ramban quotes the Midrash, like the Russian and the Tzaddik, they both see the endless sea of Torah. And the Russia says, I can't, it's like a mountain. The Russia says, I can't climb, it's endless. And Tzaddik says, like, oh my gosh, like, I'm just going to, where's the next step? Like, how do I just, you know, take the next step? If Hashem is infinite, and Hashem is infinitely away, so to speak, I'll never reach, the truth is infinite, I'll never reach the end of the truth. So the Russia says, why even try? And the Tzadik says, like, I'm going to enjoy the journey. The goal is not to get to the end. It's to journey towards it. And if you embrace that, then it's the most extraordinary life. So I would say, like, in, for you, for me, for everyone who's tapping into the specific and the general question of how to really commit your life to doing something amazing, it's really there's a simple formula. If you become the, if you devote your life to becoming the best you can become, everything else will fall into place yeah that's amazing thank you so much really appreciate it absolutely absolutely. definitely filled up my filled up my bucket and i'm sure (laughs) you fill up anyone who listens to this thank you thank you for listening to institution to inspiration 